What's up, everybody? It's another edition of Free Association on the Sportsnet Podcast Network. I'm J.D. Bunkus, joined as always by Donovan Bennett, who uh, works from his closet at home, who tries to escape his busy reality for a few minutes to do this podcast. Uh, Thank you for making the time today, sir. How are you? You don't have to thank me for making the time to do one of the things that I'm actually assigned to do. Like I, I was actually uh, joking with Amal, uh, a super producer who you know was the original producer of this podcast and is producing a bunch of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking through some things that I have to do later in the week, and there's like a tug of war of my time, and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. There's uh, certain executives who are wondering if I should spend less time doing one thing that I'm doing for free to do something else that would also be free. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is actually something that is part of my duties as a sports and employee. So do not thank me for doing it. Well, like to be honest, and you know, we haven't had this conversation off air and I, I want to get into, we, we got a lot to cover today, but I haven't really know what the approach is just to even ask you like, hey, do you want to take time off? Like what what like what do you want to do here? Because yeah, your your schedule is so busy that me who follows your work has trouble just following the amount of work you're doing right now. And I'm not doing it. I'm just reading your pieces and watching your work. Like your your video essay was incredible. It, you've written some just like banger pieces. I, I know that, yeah, you're you're doing work with City TV. It's just it's it's a lot to track. For me, so I don't get imagine for you when you're discussing and you're talking with producers, you're like, "Hey, what exactly is this thing that I'm doing now?" Okay, right, that one. All right, got it. Cool, cool, cool. So that's my whole day. Right on. Cool. Another whole day of work. Got it. Got it. How much will some of these things be paying? None. Cool. Let's move on. On to the next one. Anyways, man, you are doing great work, and yeah, I, I hope that you do know that. Yeah, whatever you need, obviously, with this podcast, we got you. Uh, thank you for that. Um, in a very different vein, Kyrie Irving's like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to work at this time. I'm, I'm good. Even though actually he wouldn't be working anyways because he's done for the year. But he's let it be known on the players' call that he doesn't think it's wise for NBA players to be going back to work. And I say that you know somewhat facetiously because it comes from a good place, I'm sure. But I think that is one of the overarching debates at this time and i kind of feel it as well and to be honest when this started i was gonna tap out and say i'm gonna sit this one out i don't really see a sports angle and i've done the opposite but my first inclination was to be like i'm not actually going to interject sports into this much more important conversation um i'm just i'm even going to just listen and learn because i don't know everything on the topic um so i it's a theoretical conversation that's tied into morals and money and those things motivate different people differently. But I'm also, I know what I would do and feel and say, but I also don't know if there is a right answer. If I'm being honest, I actually have strong emotions on both sides. So maybe okay. we can unpack it and work sure. through it. And by the end of this, you could have me on one side or the other. How do you feel about the assertion from Kyrie and Dwight Howard? So, Friday night, Kyrie Irving holds an 80-player conference call. And I'm sure our audience is aware of this right now if you love basketball. But he has his most notable quotes that come out of it are, quote, I don't support going to Orlando. I'm not with the systemic racism and the bullshit. Something smells a little fishy, end quote. 
So Dwight Howard has supported him as, as a vocal voice of saying now is not the time. We've even seen Steven Jackson, who is um, one of the, I would say, biggest voices in all of this right now, uh, like the, at the very head of this in Minnesota saying now is not the time to return. I'll start with this. I'm just going to start with the Kyrie Irving angle of it. I don't think Kyrie Irving is looking at this as an attention grab. I've seen some really, um, I've seen people questioning his motives. I've seen people making the jokes about, you know, Kyrie versus LeBron or trying to stop him from getting a title. I, I really don't, I don't really want to entertain that stuff because I just, I think Kyrie Irving has an understanding of the moment and that what he is trying to do is do well and that there is a lot to be considered here. My my only reservations when it comes to Kyrie are as follows. One, I don't really like the idea of him positioning it in a way and and language it, it like you have to be careful with your language here, right? Like because this is very sensitive and you're asking guys to be making very big sacrifices and to be talking about this very very seriously the idea that you're going to be stopping. I don't like the idea that the insinuation is kind of like if you go to Orlando, you're buying into systemic racism. And that when you say something smells fishy, my, my belief is that you have to elaborate on those things. If you are going to be the voice of, of this side of the player's position, I think that you're going to have to come to the mic with something a little bit stronger. And that, Kyrie, this is not the time where you can just make insinuations and assume that guys are going to buy in. Because, And I think that you've seen some pushback from Austin Rivers, Ed Davis today. Um, uh, Patrick Beverly, you've had players kind of speak up and say, okay, well, there are considerations for others in the NBA that don't have Kyrie Irving money and that don't have the, yeah, the, the contract that Kyrie Irving has in order to just make a decision this way, that there's a lot more depth to this conversation. So I think that the conversation needs to be had. I think that it needs to be had and that the players need to use time to really figure it out. But Kyrie positioning himself that way, I think, has made it a little bit more divisive. The conversation has kind of opened up a little bit more divisive than it needed to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I wasn't on the call, so I don't necessarily know. I just read the Shams piece. That's that's what I'm working off of. Yeah, no, for sure. My point being, okay, it's fine. Listen, I'm here for, and I get the fact that this is a moment that feels different, and maybe we approach it differently however okay so what are the actionable steps what are the tangible things yes. that you're going to do that you hope are achieved if you don't play because i mean i think the answer can't be we're not going to play basketball until racism is over because we're never going to play basketball again if that's the standpoint so so what are you planning on doing with this this protest of not playing because there have been American athletes in the past that have protested Olympics and had uh, their voices heard and sent a message. None of them sent a message as clear or as loud as Tommy Smith and John Carlos, yep. who at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico, after winning gold and bronze, put a black fist in the air uh, in solidarity for the mistreatment of black people in, in the United States at the time. And so they lost their medals. They lost their their opportunities afterwards. I remember talking to John Carlos about you know him being so poor. This is a athlete in his prime who just won an Olympic medal, being so poor that he had to break his daughter's uh, dresser full of clothes, break it like because he needed the wood to throw into their fireplace to heat his house. Like that's the the 
deep amount of financial struggle they were in, and that pressure eventually, um, you know, forced his wife to commit suicide. So, like, we're, we're talking about people making massive sacrifices in the thoughts of greater change that's going to impact more than themselves. I think you can do that using the power of sport as your vehicle. The NBA has always tried to meet the players at their level in terms of social reform and change, something that we can't say about the NFL. They've actually acted against it. And the NHL and Major League Baseball have been somewhat indifferent. Mm -hmm. The NBA, for me, has done a great job in in the negotiation. They, They got more games uh, being played than many people thought, which put money in their players' pockets. Around $650 million of extra money for the players because of the amount of regular season games that are going to be played before we get to the playoffs, something that I didn't think was going to happen. And so with that leverage that Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul currently have, can they work with the league about doing things to make sure this conversation is longer, about allocating some resources that are made from... Uh, you know, this pandemic to go to causes that, that make sense. Again, owners did not want to play this amount of games. Jeff Passan wrote in Major League Baseball's case that an owner is going to lose $640,000 for every game that is played, which is exactly why the owners are trying to wait out the players and say, oh, well, time's up. We can't play too many games. Come on back. And so the fact that the NBA players fought for them, not just the players who were playing, but also the players who were staying at home to get more money than anyone thought they could is real big. So they can take it another step further and say, okay, what can we do on this issue that's impacting all of us? I think stuff like that is more tangible than saying we're not playing because we want the quote unquote conversation to stay on this real issue. We don't want to distract from it because God forbid there's a natural catastrophe or celebrity scandal or uh, a political moment that happens and the news cycle might shift regardless of what the NBA player is trying to do. It feels like we're very close on this because like we can debate the Jeff Passan numbers about how much baseball owners are going to lose. Here's what we can't debate that if NBA players don't come back, that's $1.2 billion in lost player salary. Okay. That's the type of money that we're seeing move here to a largely predominantly black labor force. When I'm just looking at the connections of, okay, what makes the most sense here? I definitely understand the argument for, hey, we don't want a conversation leaving a moment right now, that we don't want people to be distracted. You and I have talked about that same conflict of even just the day-to-days with doing our jobs is like, okay, well, what is too much of just being distracted? Like it's, it's, it's comfortable to be distracted and that so much of this conversation has been, hey, you have to push yourself outside of that. And you need to recognize that all of the comforts that we have and the distractions we have have played a part in a real slowing down for social reform. So I understand the the frustration in this. Absolutely, I do. How could you not? But I just look at this on a whole of, okay, what are you guys going to be accomplishing? Okay, $1.2 billion down. Where are you going to have a platform that's bigger than the NBA that's going to have record ratings? Is is that possible? Is there a plan? Is there something that you can do that is different? Okay, I'd like to see that plan outlined because this is the part that I think it's a little tricky for me in terms of thinking that Kyrie's approach is or why I think Kyrie's approach is going to be more difficult. You can't tell me that if LeBron James is down, like Patrick Beverly said, that 
a guy like LeBron James who has accomplished what he has done in his career, not just not on the basketball court. Like that's to me that like, yes, of course, that's obvious. The stuff that LeBron James has done away from basketball, the way that he has used his voice, his power and his money to try and enact change and what he continues to do right now. It's just it's really hard for me to see a situation where a guy like that, a leader like that, fairly or unfairly, the position that he has been put in. That if he's saying we want to be able to use our voices for change, we want to be able to play, we want to use this platform to bring more voice and more attention to the the conversation that we're having, that you can have some kind of a happy medium with both. And that if you don't play, and this is, this is again, not something that I would ever begrudge a player for doing. If you feel like it is in your best interest not to play and the best interest of your community and your country, then don't play. But if you do, you have to understand that people are going to make it a divisive issue and that there is going to be a distraction from the conversation with or without basketball. If there's basketball, people will be talking about it. But if there is not, what you're going to see is people come out of the woodworks to criticize you and your league for not playing. And and that is a very, very real reality that I, that these guys would have to consider. So some of this might be straw manning because of the, the numbers of players, but don't you feel as though to a certain degree that not playing would almost create a bigger distraction than playing, or at least that there's a case for that. I mean, I think it's how you communicate it. And certainly baseball players are going to get crushed if and when there is no season. But I mean, if, if Carl Anthony Town said, you know what, I'm not playing, I'm not in a headspace, I lost my mother to mm-hmm. coronavirus, I don't think people are going to be like, you have to play for my entertainment. So if, if players individually... No, but if the whole league happens, that's what I'm saying. If the whole league was to shut down, don't you think that people would be looking at it like that would be a national-wide conversation that would also be a big distraction? I mean, no. I think a lot of people, and, and activists specifically, would applaud them for um, you know taking such a, a huge stride. Patrick Beverly put it very clearly. It's not happening because LeBron James is going to play. And so... Everyone else is going to fall in line or close to everyone else. There will be a ball thrown up in the air because the the tastemaker in the league, the literal leader of the league, in some ways, to be honest, even more so than Adam Silver, LeBron James says he's playing. So guess what? We're going to be playing. The issue, though, and the thing that will be interesting for me is, well, what happens to individuals who make the individual decision? I'm not playing. If Dwight Howard individually says I'm not playing, like, I mean, Kyrie wasn't playing regardless. So if Dame Lillard says I'm not playing, if Carmelo Anthony says I'm not playing, what happens there? Do, do teams get to fill that roster spot? Is that, does that player's yeah. salary get withheld? And these are the types of conversations because if this was the middle of the a normal NBA season, and Enos Cantor said, you know what? There are some terrible things going on in Turkey right now. I just need to focus on that, and I do not want to cloud that with basketball. Would the Boston Celtics get another ro- roster spot? I think the answer would be no. So it, it's 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 going to be, in terms of um, Adam Silver, who has a legal background, in terms of setting precedent, how this is handled is going to be fascinating. And, and you could say, well... All bets are off because this whole scenario is unprecedented and we're in the middle of a global pandemic. But I'm going to be very curious how the PA approaches this, how the league approaches this, because either way, there's going to be some people who feel like there's going to be a level of scrutiny depending on 
on what happens. I I, I just right. think I think whatever happens, it's not going to be clean unless all the players say they're playing. Then there's nothing to talk about. But given the fact that Kyrie was so passionate, uh, I suspect he was speaking on behalf of some other players who didn't have as much skin in the game. I will say this though, and I think this is important to know, and I'm not, again, saying that their interests are not pure. It's somewhat easy for Kyrie and Dwight Howard to say, I don't want to play. I need to focus on this issue solely because there are not many players who have made more money in the lifetimes of their careers than Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard. You're talking about two guys who were picked at the very top of the draft that have always been high earners, I suppose Dwight Howard, in recent years has not. But, I mean, if we had to go through the list of guys who have accrued more money that are playing right now, that's not long. It's certainly probably barely more than two hands full, if that. So I, I think I also hear Austin Rivers when he says, yeah, n- not everybody has that luxury. Now, again, Austin Rivers was talking about it from the standpoint of, he has a legit chance to win a championship. His father has a legit chance to win a championship. And maybe that, again, colors his perspective. But like many issues, the players are not a monolith on this. So I'm interested to see how it gets adjudicated, both by the league, but also in the court of public opinion. Yeah, I uh, I actually spent a lot of time thinking about exactly that when, you know, we our podcast two weeks ago where you said black people are not a monolith. And I, I, I think that has resonated with me more than anything in this issue. And when you talk about it not being clean, it's that, yes, there's going to be different people on each side of the ledger here. If it's my personal opinion, which matters very little, all I would be thinking is if I'm a player, okay, so we're talking about over a billion dollars, again, into our pockets. Okay, well, you need money for change. And $1.2 billion is not insignificant. And so, okay, that's one thing here, making more money. Two, what's the platform going to be? Outside of it, if we do not stop, we are going to have unprecedented eyes on us, and we are going to have a league that is certainly going to have protests and that is certainly going to be continuing a conversation. And that will never, I, I really do not think that basketball returning this year, that you are going to be able to separate the, the Black Lives Matter movement and the NBA. I just I think that they are going to be intrinsically tied. Okay, so what is the platform outside of it? That's what they'll be looking at. It's hard for me to envision that it's being as great. Would the downside of playing and the conversation of a distraction be as worse as the downside of not playing and the distraction that would come with that and the questions that would be fielded and the media outlets, and you know that they're out there on <laughs> Fox, uh, that would portray this in a way that would be unfavorable and divisive? I just I have a tough time looking at it and saying that overwhelmingly that it would make sense not to play, especially considering that, yes, a large part of the workforce is not Kyrie Irving and that those are real considerations that you bring up. Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard have collectively made over three hundred million dollars in their careers like that matters. So when Kyrie does talk about he's willing to lose it all, it's like, are you willing or to sacrifice it all? Like, are, are you willing to put yourselves in the shoes of Ed Davis, who's talking about this in terms of guys really need these paychecks? It just like these are all things that need to be discussed with these guys and need to be considered by everyone that's involved. So I'm looking at it right now as so far, there does not seem to be a lot of public support for Kyrie Irving. It seems kind of unanimously that from reports and from LeBron James and from other players that guys are going to be going. My biggest question is, will this will the threat of players not going and the discussions of players not going 
do what I think is most important when it comes to the NBA right now, which is mobilize owners, mobilize ownership to actually act. Unless I've missed something, the only thing I've seen from an owner in terms of a contribution, a meaningful contribution, a meaningful statement, a meaningful um, push for a politician or for anything has been Mark Cuban being at a rally in Dallas, at a protest in Dallas. Outside of that, I, like again, I'm playing pretty close attention. I'm not paying the closest attention. Maybe you've seen differently. But to me, the, the biggest thing here has to be ownership needs to speak up. NBA owners need to say that they, uh, that they hear what is happening and that they want to be a positive force to change. And, and I really do think that so much of this, um, so much of this shifts towards playing if you just get your owners to buy in for the causes that you're fighting for. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that uh, leads right into my recent column, which just went live on Sportsnet.ca before we sat down to record this. And it's about the fact that if owners are not going to curtail some of the anti-racist behavior that we've seen in, in sports, that the way fans can protest is not necessarily just marching because eventually we know that's going to stop. They can protest with their pocketbooks and incentivize the owners that have done things like Mark Cuban and, you know, punish uh, punitively the owners that have done nothing or who have worked in the opposite direction, Jerry Jones. And so I, I, the, the one owner, uh, and I haven't paid, paying attention, um, so I, I don't have a full accounting of what every owner has done and said. I have seen Cuban, um, you know, marching, one owner I know who's done something is Larry Tannenbaum, who was in a video with the Raptors speaking to the issues of anti-black racism. At the end of the video, it ends with him pledging to do more. And one thing they've already done, not the Raptors, but MLSC in general, is they posted a position. They're hiring a director of diversity and inclusion. If you're listening to this and you feel fit for the role, then do apply. And so listen, that's very easy steps to get the open gym crew to film something, you know, with some social distance measures and for your HR department to open up one head count and to post a job. Like that's, that's, that's not, you know, that high a bar to clear, but it is much more than we've seen from the vast majority of owners who have been silent on the issue and more importantly, silent with their actions. Why, why is it that if, if I'm an NBA player and I'm looking at this and I see that there's one black owner and that black owner has dedicated $100 million over 10 years and that's it. And that they're like, again, so it's nice that Tannenbaum has done these things, but what I want to see is real, meaningful dollars from owners and real, meaningful pledges about politicians and policies that they will push for and fight for and lobby for. And I actually think that seeing that it's only been Michael Jordan so far that has done something meaningful with the pocketbook and is a little disheartening if I'm a player, if it's this deep into it. And again, I'm sorry if I am missing someone and it is really nice that Larry Tannenbaum has done that. But yes, again, to me, this is just, okay, well, you should have already had that. Like, uh, great. Like you're pledging for this. All right. That's good. But you should have already pledged for that. Like, what are you going to do now that is significantly different? How are you going to use the weight of your position 
to enact meaningful change. And that's what I really hope fans press people for. That's what I really hope that players are angling for right now. Because again, I really just do believe when I look at this entire thing that what you would really like to have is billionaires on your side. It's it's nice to have the millionaires, but to have billionaires, that's going to really help you. That's going to really help your cause. And I, I really don't understand how, yeah, you can have owners like Jerry Jones and be okay with that and, and just be like, yeah, it's fine. Well, you know, I grew up uh, like this way and just I'm a minute and trying to get like, that's going to be what it has to be is what do we see from owners? How is that going to change? How are they going to be impacted? And you're right. I can't wait to read your column today uh, for ideas as to how people can be punitive, especially in a world where there's no gate right now. Um, Final thoughts before uh, you got to run? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if we circle back to the original conversation on what should or shouldn't the players do, and again, if if Kyrie and thus Dwight Howard and anyone else in the camp say, okay, listen, we're going to withhold our power, the power that is our ability to play, because we want to put pressure on those owners to speak up or to do something or to put something in writing, well, that I get Right, because yeah, now you're now you're using your leverage to force a broader conversation, but just to do it so that people focus more on the issue and you yourself can focus more on the issue. I'm not sure that the, that's a greater good than having microphones and live cameras in front of you and be able to speak to those issues. The other thing we should remember about the player that you brought up specifically in Michael Jordan, who was criticized throughout his career about not speaking up enough on these issues and and you know now is trying to make up for lost time and pledging an incredible amount and and also has an incredible amount of diversity within his organization in terms of who he's hired to run it that wealth that he is now using and that power that he's now using came directly because he was a player and during his time as a player, he maximized his earning potential and thus that exponential wealth is going to these important causes. So these players with a small window with which to make money in a situation where they have no idea what the next CBA is going to be like because of this uh, pandemic, what the next league season is going to be like fiscally because of this pandemic, it behooves them to make sure that the league and the sport is in as good of a financial position as possible so they can make a lot of money, not just now, but in the long term, so that they can use some of that money to reinvest it into their communities to make real change. I think that's really well said, and it's a great place to leave it. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can leave a review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and both Instagram by following our names. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Next week.